Hello and welcome to One Real Good Thing, where we dive into one thing you can do today to propel your life in a healthy direction. I'm your host, Ellie Krieger, and today I'm talking with digestive nutrition expert Tamara Duker-Froyman, whose latest book is called Regular, The Ultimate Guide to Taming Unruly Bowels and Achieving Inner Peace. She's here to share her number one tip for going number two establishing a consistent daily routine. Listen to find out exactly what she means by that and how it can help. Tamara Duker-Froyman, it is great to have you here. Thank you for being with us. Thanks for inviting me. So I love your book. So I just love it. So just to remind people of the name, it is called Regular, The Ultimate Guide to Taming Unruly Bowels and Achieving Inner Peace. And I have to say that one of the first things I saw when I opened it up just made me laugh and I related so well immediately to what you define, and I think you say it like this, pooforia. Is that how you say it? Pooforia. Pooforia. Now, think for a minute, folks, what you think that might mean. I'm going to tell you Tamara's definition of pooforia because I happen to be lucky enough to feel it almost every single day of my life. I am grateful for that. It is a noun and a, of elation of inner peace. <laughs> Wait, pooforia of elation and inner peace following completion of an easy to pass and fully relieving bowel movement. Pooforia. So I think most of us know what that's about because that is like one of the best things in life as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it's a great feeling to just kind of like wake up, you kind of start your day, you've got your coffee in your system, so your head is clear, you have a great bowel movement, your bowels just have that like nice empty feeling and like you just, you feel ready to tackle your day. (laughs) I know it's really an incredible feeling. And I have to say, I'm never not grateful for it, for that feeling, because I don't take it for granted because, you know, everyone has times in their life when things get out of whack and it really makes a difference in how you feel all day long. I totally agree. And doing what I do for a living, which is basically meeting with people all day long who struggle to be regular in terms of their bowel movements, I really don't take it for granted because I see what a number it can do on somebody's quality of life when they're not able to have predictable, relieving, good bowel movements on a regular basis. So, I mean, I don't know if there's really even a number for this, but maybe you know it. What would you think is the percentage of people that have issues typically with regular bowel movements. Are there any statistics about that? So I would say the best estimates I've seen are, you know, at least a third of Americans struggle with bowel irregularity. And that's probably a floor, not a ceiling in terms of an estimate. Right. I mean, that's a lot of people. So your book is called Regular. And I wonder, you know, what does regular even mean? Like, what is regular? So great question. So, you know, obviously we're talking here about pooping in case that wasn't clear from all the the innuendo. So bowel regularity is sort of, you know, having some degree of consistent and predictable bowel emptying pooping. And that both would refer to the frequency of your bowel movements as well as the experience of moving your bowels. Are they somewhat formed and reliable in texture? Do they feel complete? Do you get a good sense of 
of relief when you empty your bowels. You know, sometimes the stats on paper don't really reflect your subjective experience. So you could go three times per day. And if you just said that to someone, they'd be like, oh, you're super regular. But if those three bowel movements are hard little pellets that never feel complete and you always feel just like, oh, there's something in there and I can't get it out, we wouldn't call that regular. And then conversely, maybe you only go once every three days or maybe even every four days, which someone might say like, wow, that's like really infrequent. That's not regular. But when like you feel perfectly comfortable on the days that you don't go. And when you do go, you get a great, big, giant, awesome, easy, relieving bowel movement. You feel like a million bucks and you don't even think about your bowels again until it's time to go three days later. You know, it's, it's a subjective experience and it's also kind of um, objective statistics is sort of what the experience of being regular is. Oh, that is really interesting. So there is really a range. So you don't have to live up to anybody else's sort of idea of what that is. It's really about tapping into how you feel and what you're experiencing in terms of that regular pattern and that relief that you experience. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm not here trying to put any like additional pressures on people. Like now all of a sudden, in addition to kind of keeping up with your, you know, five fruits and vegetables a day and 30 minutes of exercise a day. Like I don't want people to feel pressure. Like, oh my gosh, I need to be pooping X number of times every single day or I'm not normal. Like there's no sort of standard guideline that everyone needs to go every single day or everyone needs to go a certain number of times every single day. But most people who are not regular and that's a problem for them, they know it's a problem for them. They don't need me to tell them that it's a problem for them. I mean, they feel it, right? Gotcha. Gotcha. And so I want to, before we launch into your one real good thing, which by the way, I just want to explain what that is right off the bat here. And the, uh, Tamara's one real good thing is to get into a routine to stay regular. So we're going to get into what that's about. But I just want to talk about how fantastic this book is. And um, again, it's called Regular. And what it's really cool to me because it's not a typical book that you read cover to cover. It's designed to be a kind of self-help tool where you take this diagnostic little quiz in the beginning, and that kind of leads you to the chapters that would best address your issue. And I think that that brings up for me what the big, huge variety of issues there are in terms of your gut health and your regularity. And so and so, what pertains to one person really might not pertain to another person, except there are some generalizations, which we'll get into, but um, in terms of having a healthy routine. But, um, but it's really cool how you lay it out. And, and why did you choose that particular layout? You know, so this is my second book. My first book was about bloating, and it kind of followed a similar layout. And the reason I write my books with this uh, with this format is what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to replicate the experience that a patient would have if they were coming to see me, right? I'm one person, I'm in New York. It's not realistic that every single person in America who is, you know, has diarrhea or has chronic constipation is going to be able to have a visit with me. So what I try to do with these quizzes is I try to ask the types of differentiating questions that I would ask you if you were a patient sitting in my office and then use those answers to make an educated guess about what I think is going on with you medically 
Um, and so what the quiz does is you kind of answer the questions that I might ask you as a patient, you score up the numbers, and that would kind of be the algorithm in my brain that would take me to a suspicion that you have this condition or that condition. And then the quiz will send you to the chapters of those conditions that you can then read about them and say, hey, does this resonate with me? Does the way that Tamara describes this experience and the symptoms and, and the triggers for my symptoms, does that feel like me? Yes. Great. Let me keep reading the chapter and see what she says about how I might get this evaluated by a doctor. How, how might I change my diet to address this problem? Are there any supplements that could be relevant? And if it doesn't feel like mm, that's not a great match for me, you go to the chapter that you scored second highest in the quiz and it kind of again. And so it is really meant to approximate a visit with me when you don't necessarily have the ability to have a visit with me. Oh, that's terrific. And how many Patients, do you think you've seen like over the course of your career? Hundreds and hundreds, right? I mean, thousands at this point. I've been wow. doing this for a while. Wow. <laughs> Go, girl. That's amazing. No, so you bring all of that experience to this conversation. And I really appreciate that. And with that in mind, I think it's really interesting that you chose this one real good thing because it's I'm cornering you basically to to say what's one thing. And it's probably it, in this instance, particularly difficult to pick one thing that's going to apply to so many different types of conditions. So you picked get into a routine to stay regular. And I let's explore that a little bit. Why did you pick that? Why, how does it help with so many different situations and why does it matter? Yeah, great. So there's two reasons I picked routine. So the first is, you know, a large number of people with either chronic diarrhea or chronic constipation um, have what we would call like a functional GI disorder, something like irritable bowel syndrome or, or, you know, functional constipation. Not everybody, certainly not everybody, or otherwise I would have called this book, you know, how to manage IBS instead of regular, because there's a lot of reasons that you're irregular. But if you do have something like irritable bowel syndrome, you know, irritable bowels thrive on consistent routines right? And when we're erratic with our meal times, and maybe like I skip breakfast, or, you know, sometimes I take a like a supplement at night to help me poop the next morning. And sometimes I don't and sometimes I drink coffee. And sometimes I don't, you know, it's really hard to expect your irritable bowels to deliver consistent results and outputs when the inputs are really all over the map. And so that's one reason is that there's a real large core of people who have irritable bowel syndrome who really will benefit from establishing sort of a regular routine, like a bowel regimen at night that will help them the next morning, or a really consistent morning routine with eating and coffee and waking times and things like that. Um, and that's one reason. And the second reason I chose this is if you have a different type of problem that is not irritable bowel syndrome, it's going to be a lot easier for me or for your doctor or for whoever you're working with to figure out what's causing it if there is some consistency in the, the times you eat, the types of foods you eat, the volume of food you eat. Because if every day is like a whole new experience and, you know, like you eat out dinner, you know, seven nights a week at seven different restaurants, or sometimes you skip dinner entirely, or you take 50 different supplements and you're always changing your supplement routines and your bowels are all over the place. It's really hard to even develop a hypothesis about what could possibly be going wrong because there is no consistency in what you eat, when you eat, how you eat. And so sometimes if it's not IBS, to figure out what's causing it, it's really helpful to have a little bit of consistency in terms of 
your routines and your rhythms so that we can figure out when your bowels are doing their best and what are the circumstances around that look like and when things go off the rails what, what, what was different about that day? And so right. sometimes I'll hear people are like, oh, when I go on vacation to this place, everything's amazing. And like, I can't figure out why. I'm like, great. Tell me what your vacation routine looked like. What was different about that than your home, you know, your home habits. And like those, the contextual routine clues can really be helpful to narrow down what's going on. So really, it's like sort of eliminating some variables because there's are already so many variables to consider when you consider your, your intestinal health, your bowel health, that it's really if you can keep a consistent routine with the, your meal timing, as you say, the types, general types of foods you're eating, the amount that you're eating at given times, then at least you're eliminating those variables from the picture. So that's kind of good. But also there's a bigger thing here in terms of overall well-being and like circadian rhythm that I think really applies. And I, I did, it's funny when you had mentioned that this was your topic, my eyes kind of sparked open because I did episode 29 of this podcast um, myself. It was just me kind of talking to everyone. That's how I kick off each season. Um, so this was episode 29 and I chose get into a food groove as my one real good thing as to being so important for your overall well-being. So I wasn't even focusing on gut health necessarily, although that's part of it, but really getting into a consistent pattern. I mean, life is life. You're not always going to be consistent, but just uh, having that be your kind of like usual path really makes a huge difference in terms of your uh, biomarkers. I mean, in terms of your like lipid levels, in terms of your sleep patterns, in terms of all of these things kind of come together when you have a regular circadian rhythm. So I would imagine that affects gut health and those circadian rhythms and the rhythms of your, of your passing waste material <laughs> um, as well. Yeah, that's hugely important. I'm so glad you brought it up. I'm actually a huge proponent of aligning our our diets and our eating patterns with metabolic circadian rhythms. It's kind of in our practice how we also approach managing other non-digestive things like, you know, lipids and blood sugar and weight and all of those things. Like there's such a huge connection to when we eat the majority of our food and the majority of our carbs even. And so, I'm a huge proponent of aligning diet stuff with circadian rhythms, but with regard to digestive function, you're a thousand percent right. You know, our bowels also operate on circadian rhythms and morning is the time, I call it the window of poopertunity for most people, right? Morning is the time that our bowels are the most primed to poop. And especially for people who run on the constipated side, you know, a lot of my focus, you know, when I'm working with patients is creating the circumstances in the morning that will leverage the hormonal environment in the gut that is happening in the early morning. It kind of, we have this cortisol spike that starts around 4am and goes up, 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 up. It kind of peaks by 10am and starts coming down. When your cortisol levels are the highest is when your bowel is most um, most active, most susceptible to the type of stimuli that will cause it to poop. Um, and so anything you can do to pile on in this environment where the cortisol levels are already kind of getting the bowel really primed will help you execute a better bowel movement. And that's why, you know, coffee, a lot of people will say like, oh, if I don't have my coffee, I don't go. Or once I have a sip of coffee, like I'm in the bathroom five minutes later, you know, whereas if they had a coffee at 3 p.m., 
They may not actually be running to the bathroom if they have a coffee later in the day. There's a reason for that. You know, breakfast, right? Putting food into the GI tract when your cortisol levels are already high stimulates a digestive nerve reflex. It's called the gastrocolic reflex. And it's a message from the early part of the GI tract to the colon. That's basically like, oh, hey, colon, there's some food coming down the pipeline. You want to make room for it? And it causes motility. You know, that will be a stronger response in the morning when your cortisol levels are higher. And so by not drinking coffee in the morning or skipping breakfast or waiting to eat breakfast till like 11 o'clock, you know, you're not taking advantage of the circadian rhythms that really help ensure great morning pooping. Yeah, it's just amazing to me how this all works together. Sometimes I'm really blown away by it. So it's really the advice is really kind of simple, right? Give yourself a regular pattern of eating, eat breakfast at home when you're or when you're in a comfortable place near a bathroom where you can be comfortable to relax and let the poop opportunity happen, which is my new word, apparently. <laughs> Thank you for that. Um and, and so this works on so many different levels, right? For so many different aspects of well-being. And I guess there's also, so besides maybe, you know, regular meals, three meals, whatever it is, interestingly, for lipids and other things, it doesn't matter if it's three meals a day and one snack, three meals a day and two snacks, grazing throughout the day, maybe four or five small. It doesn't matter. Just pick one that works for you and stick to it. That's exactly right. It needs to work for you. And so, you know, what I said earlier about how the morning routine and eating and drinking coffee is especially helpful for people with constipation, we leverage that. And the opposite is true for people who are really like bowels are overactive in the morning. People who have like a diarrhea predominant IBS where they like once they start pooping in the morning and almost like it sets off a spasm and they can't stop and they're back and forth and they can't get to work on time. And those people might actually want to defer breakfast and coffee until after 10 a.m. because their bowel is already like super tweaked, super primed, it's over primed. And so those people might want to leverage the circadian rhythm to start their morning routine a little bit later. And so, you know, again, this is not a one size fits all solution. It's about understanding the rhythms of your body and how to get into a rhythm and a routine around your eating and or coffee and, and whatever that is that works for your body, right? And to your point, maybe for some people, three meals a day is perfect and that works really well. For someone whose bowels are oversensitive, when they eat a larger amount at once, it's too much for them. Their bowels get overstimulated. They might do better with smaller meals more frequently, which kind of fly under the radar of that gastrocolic reflex. And so it's not about everyone needs to eat three meals a day or everyone needs to eat breakfast, but it is about finding the routine in the morning that works for your body and being consistent with it to the greatest degree possible um, so that your bowels know what to expect and you know what to expect from your bowels so that you don't have to stress about, am I going to go? Am I not going to go? Like, I can't leave the house until I go. Like that predictability or the lack of predictability can really impact your quality of life. So you can almost weave predictability into it. You really do have some amount of control over that. So that's kind of helpful. <laughs> um, and so, and, and actually, if your bowel is overactive, you might want to 
skip the coffee entirely. So that's one consideration too. Yeah, Um, absolutely. Some people, I mean, a lot of my patients with IBS will not drink coffee for that reason. And then a lot of them who really love coffee and don't want to give it up. That's when we talk about, can you wait till after 10 o'clock? And when your bowels, a lot of people with IBS will be like, you know what, the toileting marathon really kind of dies down by 11 o'clock. And then after then, like I can pretty much eat or anything or do anything. And I say, well, maybe that's the time of day that you want to have your coffee, not first thing in the morning. And so, and some people just can't have coffee at all. And it really just doesn't work for them. And so you had alluded also to the timing of carbohydrate intake. So I kind of wanted to to pull that out a little bit. Is there some, some kind of rules of thumb there that we should abide by? So that's more of an issue, I think, for metabolic like health rather than digestive function. And mm-hmm. so in terms of pooping regularity, like I don't, I'm not too prescriptive with when you eat your carbs, but when you were talking about how circadian rhythms impact all aspects of our health, not just digestion, but also, you know, lipids and, and all the metabolic stuff. Yeah. I mean, there really is some, some really compelling data that, um, people who front load their calories in general and their carbs in particular typically have an easier time managing blood sugar um, and uh, lipids, especially triglyceride levels, fatty liver, weight. Um, And so, you know, I don't find that a lot of people can really sustain a truly low carb diet forever. I just, a lot of people just, they'll do it for a few months and they get sick of it and then they just kind of completely go off of it. So how do you, if you're one of those people that loves carbs and wants to eat carbs and and are as compelled by the data that carbs are actually probably pretty healthy for you and your microbiome, how do you eat them in a way that works for diabetes, prediabetes, fatty liver, triglycerides, you know, in our practice, we do a lot of front loading around that and eating, you know, your carbs at breakfast and and some of them at lunch and really kind of uh, tapering off the carb intake sort of in that mid afternoon and, and evening period. Right. So front loading, meaning eating them earlier in the day when you're more active and burning them off probably more quickly and so on. I mean, um, yes, yes. And even beyond that, you know, it's even if you're not active, like the metabolic response to carbs, even at rest, seems to differ Mm. as the day progresses. Mm. Yeah. Um, And what about fiber? Let's talk. I think one of the things people do also that kind of messes up their rhythm is they're very inconsistent with their fiber intake and they might take a supplement one day and then not, not eat fiber for days and days. And I think that kind of has a bad impact too. I think it's really important to stay as consistent as possible with the amount of fiber. Basically, our body doesn't really like to be shocked. Our body likes a nice, easy pattern. And it's funny because when you look at kids and how you, when you're raising children, you want to get them in a, in a rhythm, in a pattern, and you don't do anything drastic at any one point generally with, with children's schedules. And I, it applies when we grow up too, I think. So, so what about fiber? How do you address that? Yeah, it's such a good point. Consistency with fiber matters for people who are irregular, right? Like there's going to be some people out there, they could eat whatever they want. They could have a high fiber day, a low fiber day, and their bowels are like clockwork and they go at the same time. And it's pretty much the same type of poop, no matter what. And like, that's great for them. They're living the dream. You know what I mean? Like that is like you won the bowel lottery. Um, But for that third or more of Americans who really struggle with irregularity, your fiber intake really does matter. And like, I can't tell you how many times a week I'll have a conversation with a patient about the inconsistency of their fiber, where I take kind of like a typical day and they tell me I might have this for breakfast or that, or this for breakfast. And I get three or four different lunches and three or four different versions of dinner. And then I kind of point out to them, I'm like, your fiber intake from one day to the next could be 
anywhere from zero grams to 25 grams, based on what you've just told me. On a day where you had like the plain eggs for breakfast and the turkey sandwich for lunch, and then your pretzels for a snack, and then this dinner, you basically had no fiber. And then on a day where you had your oatmeal for breakfast and your snack was the fruit, and then you ate, you know, the salad for lunch, like on that day, you've had 25 grams. And like, now I understand why you're really struggling to be very regular because you like a lot of high fiber foods and you even eat them in your diet regularly, but because you're kind of not fiber focused and it's not top of mind, you're not really kind of being deliberate and planful with making sure that every day there's sort of like a bare minimum of however much fiber your body really needs to kind of function. And so there is a large subset of people that erratic fiber intake is a driver of their irregular bowels. And that's actually a really easy fix. Um, and, you know, sometimes what I like to do is, again, I like to kind of focus on the morning routine in those patients because morning eating or a breakfast meal is the one meal that most people have the most control over. You know, sometimes your day gets busy and like you have a meeting at lunch or you're going to be, you know, whatever, like running around during the midday at appointments or dinner time, you meet people out and you don't always know what you're having. But breakfast is that one meal where most people are either home or they can bring something to wherever they're going. And that is a meal where a lot of the typical breakfast foods happen to also be very high fiber. If the day is the kind of day or you have the kind of life where your day gets away from you, being really consistent with your fiber at breakfast, that every day you can guarantee to get that minimum amount of, you know, eight grams from your breakfast come what may the rest of the day. That's also an incredible habit and morning routine to kind of give you that insurance policy um, so that even if the rest of the day kind of isn't ideal, the day is not a total wash. That's great advice. Yeah. And I think one way to also think about getting fiber without counting grams of fiber or driving yourself crazy, and also from like a culinary point of view, is get some fruit, one fruit or vegetable at each meal or snack. And it's not that hard to do, but it just changes your perspective. Like, how can I get a vegetable or fruit in here? And just by doing that, you're going to be getting color, flavor, all this great nutrition and fiber by just even just focusing on that too. Yeah, that's exactly the advice I often give. So like in an example that we just described where someone's fiber intake is really variable and I'll kind of look at their typical meals and like some lunches are sandwiches. I'll be like, great. I'm not going to tell you stop eating sandwiches for lunch. But what I will say is, okay, on a sandwich day, where is that fruit or vegetable going to come from? How do we bring that into the sandwich meal so that, you know, we are getting a little pop of, you know, whatever, three, five grams of fiber addition to that meal? Is it, you know, avocado that we're putting on the turkey sandwich? Is it like having three clementines on the side when I have a sandwich? Am I going to get a soup with my sandwich? Like, how am I getting that fiber? You tell me, like, what's the most convenient for you? What's easy for you on those sandwich days? And like, let's get like, let's add the fruit or vegetable in that way. So it's it's a lot of problem solving. And just when you set that as your intention, I got to get a fruit or vegetable with every meal, then you can actually start to problem solve towards that. And you're getting to that place where you're getting into a routine, as you're saying, because that's our one real good thing here. And in terms of routine, also, how does sleeping, your sleeping cycle, like the time you go to sleep, the time you wake up, does that, I would assume, as we're talking about the circadian rhythms, that that matters too. Yeah. Like I said earlier, like irritable bowels love, you know, predictable routines. And, you know, if you have a window of poopportunity that is kind of um, most likely to poop by 10 a.m. and on the weekends you sleep like you stay up super late and sleep until 1 p.m., 
you might miss your chance. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's not like you have to wake up at 6 a.m. on a weekend because that's your weekday wake up time. But like, you know, I think within like a two hour range or so, like I would say, you know, is 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 routine enough for most people's bowels. But, you know, there are these windows of opportunity for pooping. And if you miss them, then sometimes you miss them and they can be really hard to recoup. Not everybody can poop at night. You know, every once in a while I get a night pooper and they're, they don't go in the morning and they typically go at night. I'm like, oh, that's like almost like being left-handed. Like you should put that in your dating profile. That's like very unusual. <laughs> um, but most people are morning poopers. <laughs> Well, this is terrific. Is there anything you wanted to add to pe- for people? Um, I think we really have a lot here to to think about and to focus on and things that seem really quite doable, just getting into a consistent routine. And it doesn't have to be so strict, as you're saying. It could be like kind of flexible within a couple hours, um, but getting into a consistent routine with meals, with sleep and wake times, with... Um, giving yourself some time, knowing your own body in the morning and knowing when that window of poopertunity is. Um, I think all of this is so helpful and realistic. Is there anything you would want to add to what we're talking about so far? There is one more thing that I think speaks to the idea of routine and its importance. And that is, again, for people who are using any kind of supplements to help regulate their bowels. So sometimes people who are diarrhea prone will use like a soluble fiber supplement to kind of soak up kind of the loosey goosey poops and make a nice formed great bowel movement every morning so that they're not running back and forth. And sometimes someone who runs constipated might be taking, you know, something like a Miralax or a magnesium or some Senna at night, or sometimes they will also take a fiber supplement supplement like a psyllium or metamucil, things like that. Um, It's also really important to be consistent in those routines. And so a bowel regimen, once you figure out what is that magic combination of like diet and mealtimes and and sort of little aids like over-the-counter bowel regimen aids that help keep you regular, you should really stick to it. One thing I see a lot is like a lot of wishful thinking around, you know, say constipation where somebody will find, say they start taking magnesium at night and it really helps them go every day and they're regular and they're feeling really good. And then once they've been regular for a few weeks, the wish, the magical thinking takes over and like, oh, now my body has learned how to go and I've trained my body. And so I don't need to take the magnesium anymore. Or maybe it's not good for me to be dependent on this magnesium. So they stop taking it and slowly the body veers back to its baseline, which is constipation. And so when you find a regimen, a bowel regimen that helps you stay regular in the morning, when you stop following that regimen, you will probably stop being regular. We cannot retrain our bowels in that way. Um, And this this idea that people don't want to be dependent on something, I think what a lot of my patients are afraid of is being, you know, developing a tolerance to that thing. In other words, oh, if I keep taking this forever, my bowel is going to stop working on its own and I'm going to have to keep increasing the dose and increasing the dose because it's not going to be effective. And that's not really true with the types of things we're talking about here. Fiber, like your body doesn't develop, you know, a tolerance to fiber and then you have to take 50 grams of it a day just to go. Like, However it works, when it works is how it's going to work. And if you stop taking it, your lousy underlying bowel function will be just as 
lousy as it was before you started. No better, no worse. And so you're not impacting your underlying bowel function when you rely on some of these over-the-counter remedies. Um, and you're not kind of making your bowel lazy or, you know, making it work less good. And so whether or not you use these tools, um, you know, if you can't go on your own without a tool, you kind of are dependent on it. So the question is, are you going to use something that's helpful and live your best life and feel great? Or are you going to kind of like, you know, suffer because you feel like you should be able to do this on your own without tools? And so I encourage people to kind of let go of expectations accept the bowels that you have and figure out how to treat them, how to, to support them with whatever tools that you have at your disposal so that you can be regular and you can feel really good and you can live your life and not have to think about your bowels 24 hours a day. Well, Tamara Duker-Freiman, thank you so much. This is really enlightening and helpful. And I've learned a couple new words today, including poopertunity, which is one of my new favorites, and poopphoria, which is a new other favorite. So thank you so much. And again, the book is called Regular, The Ultimate Guide to Taming Unruly Bowels and Achieving Inner Peace. And now I see that double entendre in inner peace. So thank you for that. And, uh, and it's really a pleasure to have you here. Thank you. Thank you, Ellie. Thanks for listening. I hope you're inspired to get into a regular routine to maximize your chance to achieve poopphoria. Join me next time for another One Real Good Thing. <laughs>